Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, as we sit back and we uh, begin to uh, get ourselves uh, prepared for another day, Lord, just allow us to uh, stop and take a pause and hear uh, this evening what you would have us to know and understand. And with all thy getting, that we will get an understanding about your word and your ways and your truths. Lord, we just ask that you continue to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to your will. Be it done unto us. In Jesus' name, I decrease, you increase. Amen and amen. Okay, um, for Mother's Day and um, the next uh Monday after Mother's Day, I kind of pumped my brakes to uh, give a celebration in uh, that because I believe, like I said, I truly, truly believe that it should be a holiday. So I like to uh, celebrate that and encourage and inspire all mothers. And so we did that. And so we're going to jump back to the book of Genesis and uh, before I go into uh, the next uh, story in the book of Genesis, I want to wrap up um, what we were talking about with Adam and Eve. I do want to say that, you know, as God will uh, give me different assignments, we will uh, not hesitate to pump our brakes and stop for that cause. Uh, he works in mysterious ways and whatever it is that he tells me to do in the midst of uh, another assignment, I believe that uh, I will uh, have an ear to hear and listen and allow him to have his way. And it's okay. Um, so we're going to wrap up with uh, Adam and Eve uh and so we can move forward into uh, another story that's in the book of Genesis. Uh, I did say that, you know, God is trying to get us back in that garden, garden in a sense. So in, a, in order to understand who we are, where we came from and why we are here, we have to go back in order to go forward into the future. So we want to... Um, take a look at um, Adam and Eve once again and we're going to do this through dot Bible org and it talks about um, living in love the secret uh, from from Bible marriages and this is uh, uh, the honeymoon is over the story of Adam and Eve and we're going to wrap it up with this honeymoons are delightful times the word itself virtually drips with the freshness and excitement of young love the term seems to have been coined and, and conveys the ideal that the first moon or first month of marriage is the sweetest and most satisfying. But that's not exactly the way it ought to be. God would be pleased 
for our marriages to get better as time passes. And this is what we all uh, desire, you know, as time passes that our marriages get better and better. And it can be that as long as you keep God as the center. Every new month should be sweeter and more satisfying than the one before. Unfortunately, some marriages have turned uh, out just as the word honeymoon implies. The fir first month was the best and everything else goes downhill, unfortunately, from, from there. But um, I will say that if it feels like it's doing that, all you got to do is just continue to uh, look to the hills for what's come with your help because all of your help comes from thee and thee alone. And it's never too late to uh, get back on that uh, path. Um, maybe we can help reverse the trend by looking into the word of God. And this is what we uh, must do. Look into the word of God. Now, the scripture doesn't specifically say so, but I have a feeling that honeymoons last much longer than a month for Adam and Eve. I mean, the scripture didn't say that, but this is what is believed. Only God knows how many months or years of pure ecstasy lie between chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis. But no human relationship ever surpasses theirs in those early days. For sheer joy and rapturous delight, it was without a doubt the perfect marriage. Perfectly planned, perfectly performed by a perfect God. For he sculptured Adam, molded by the master maker. Adam doubtless had a flawless physique and rugged handsome features and he was made in God's own image. That means he had a God-like personality, perfect intellect, uh, his emotions, and his will. He possessed a brilliant mind, undiminished by sin. He had flaw, uh, fault, let's say faultless emotions, including tender and totally unselfish love, the love of God himself. And he had a will that was in complete harmony with the purpose of his creator. Huh. Wouldn't you like to have someone like that physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually perfect? But let me tell you about Eve. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And we... Uh, Talked about how Adam and Eve, uh, how Eve uh, came out of Adam uh, from this deep sleep. And the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And we're just wrapping it all up. Adam must have gazed at Eve in awe and with appreciation. And this was God's creative genius at its best, unblemished grace. She was beautiful, pure, love, uh, loveless of, of face and form of God uh, uh, being fashioned uh, with God's hand. And um, Eve had to be the most gorgeous creature who ever walked the face of the earth. And like Adam, she was made in God's image. Her mind, her emotions, 
and her will were unaffected again by sin. What man would not want to have a woman like that? Adam immediately recognized that, that her similarities to himself, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man because she was taken out of man. It seemed that without any special revelation from God, Adam instinctively knew that Eve was made for him, from him. She was part of him. She was his equal. She was his complement and counterpart. He called her woman. She was the female as he uh, the female man as he was the male man. He drew her to um, to himself in tender love. She ended his bitterness or uh, biting loneliness and filled his life with happiness. She was just exactly what he needed. And nothing brought her more satisfaction than the assurance that her husband needed her so very much. And see, she knew that. What intense and indescribable pleasure they found in each other's company. How they love one another. Their home was located in Eden. And remember, we talked about uh, the Garden of Eden. And um, you you all know this. Uh, And if you don't, yes. They lived in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect place. The word Eden means delight. And delightful it was. It was well watered at the fountainhead of four rivers. Wow. Eden was a a luscious uh, green paradise. A blanket with every beautiful and edible growing thing. They cultivated the ground. But guess what? They had no thistles or weeds to contend with. Their work totally effortless and enjoyable. Side by side, they lived and labored in perfect harmony, sharing a sense of mutual independence, enjoying a freedom of communion and communication, possessing a deep flowing affection that bound their spirits to each other. They were inseparable. And I thought about that song, you know, a lot of times people play uh, when they uh, are coming together in this union. And it's a most beautiful song. Um, It's uh, inseparable. That's what you are to me. Incredible. And uh, the bride is walking down the uh, aisle and you know, tears are flowing and the song is just right. It's almost like a, a wedding made in heaven also. So um, this is how Adam and Eve was inseparable. Now, there was an order of authority in their relationship because Adam was formed first, then Eve. And as the Apostle Paul would carefully say, and Eve was made for Adam, not Adam for Eve. He would point out, uh, but she was his helper. And in order to be an effective helper, she had to share all of her life with him. She was with him uh, when God issued the command to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. And consequently, she shared that awesome responsibility equally with her husband. She did everything a helper would be expected to do. She assisted him. 
encouraged him, advised him, and inspired him. And she did it with a spirit of sweet submissiveness. Uh, Adam never resented her help, not even her advice. And after all, that is why God gave her to him. Neither did she resent his leadership. His attitude was never tainted with superiority or exploitation. How could it be? His love was perfect. She was someone special to him and he treated her as such. He could not give of himself enough to express his gratitude to her and he never had had a thought about what he was receiving in return. Hmm. She could not possibly resent leadership like that. Let me say that again. He could not give of himself enough to express his gratitude to her. And he never had a thought about what he was receiving in return. She could not possibly resent leadership like that. The word of God says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It was a relationship of perfect purity and innocence. There was no sin in them. There was no strife between them. In other words, nothing was uh, 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 in their uh, environment that would cause them to to uh, have all this strife, allowing uh, other things to enter into that union uh, that he say, she, they say, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, there was no strife. They were at peace with God. And I know we can remember sometimes, even in our own relationships, when you had that total peace that God can only give you because you have made him the center of, of, of everything is only when you walk out of that uh, compass that you begin to, uh, you know, attract the cobwebs. So you always got to allow God to be the uh, mediator between uh, each other. They were at peace with God, at peace with themselves and at peace with each other. This was truly the perfect marriage. This was a paradise and how we wish it would have lasted that we could experience the same degree of uh, marital bliss they enjoyed in those glorious days. But something happened. And the, uh, the biblical account brings us, secondly, to the entrance of sin. This is where sin had entered in. There is no doubt that the subtle tempter who approached Eve in this episode was Satan using the body of a serpent as he instrumented his first approach was to question the word of God. And this is what the enemy does. He comes in our lives and he asks us question, questions to question what God has said in his word. Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. This is what he told her. And after he questioned God's word, he flatly denied it. You surely shall not die. He dogmatically uh, ridiculed and declared that God and brazenly 
distorted his word. He dogmatically declared and ridiculed God and brazenly distorted his word. For God knows that in the day, this is what he said, in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, but they would not be as God in reality. The very opposite would be true. The likeness to God they did enjoy would be scarred and spoiled. Satan's method methods ha have not changed much through the centuries, even as I speak. We know them well, the doubts, the distortions, and the denials, yet we too fall prey to them. We can identify with Eve in her moment of weakness. We know what it is to yield to temptation. Satan used the tree of knowledge of good and evil to do this, his sinister, his sinister work. God had placed that tree in the garden to be the symbol of Adam and Eve's submission to him. But Satan sometimes used even good things to lure, to lure us from God's will. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Have you noticed that Eve was tempted in all three major areas listed in the lust of the flesh, good for food and the lust of the eyes? See? It was a delight to her eyes, the pride of life, to make one wise. These are the same major areas Satan uses to get us out of sorts with God and with each other. The desire to gratify our physical senses and, and the desire to have marital things and the desire to impress people with our importance instead of fleeing from temptation as the scripture later ex exhort us to do, Eve flirted with it. Um, she had everything a person could want in life, but she stood there and allowed her mind to meditate on the one thing she did not have until it became an obsession with her and brought her happy, excuse me, honeymoon to an unhappy termination. That same kind of vicious greed has ended many husbands, sometimes squander grocery money, recreational equipment, hobbies, cars, clothes. Wives sometimes drive their husbands to make more money or to get bigger and better and more expensive things and material possessions of this world drive a wedge between them. When we allow our minds to covet material things, God calls it idolatry. And he pleads with us to run from it. Wherefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. Eve did not flee. She took from its fruit and ate. The text is not clear, but the words gave also to her husband with her might imply that Adam watched her do it. We have no idea why he did not try to stop her or why he did not uh, refuse to follow her in, in her sin, but we do know that he failed her woefully on this occasion. He neglected 
to provide the spiritual leadership God wanted him to provide. And instead, he let her lead him into sin. What a powerful influence a woman has over the, her man. She can use it to challenge him to new heights of spiritual accomplishment, or she can use it to drag him into depths of shame. God gave Eve to Adam to be his helper, but her covetous heart destroyed that. Together, they waited for the new delights of divine wisdom Satan had promised them. Instead, a horrid sense of guilt and shame crept over them. Their spirits died at the very moment and their physical bodies began the slow process of decay that would mar God's beautiful handiwork in ultimately in physical death. Apostle Paul was speaking of this physical death when he said, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. That's the way it is with sin. It promises so much and delivers so little. It promises freedom, wisdom, pleasure, but it delivers bondage, guilt, shame, and death. Suddenly her nakedness became symbolic of her of their sin. It exposed them openly to the penetrating eyes of the most holy God. They tried to cover their bodies with fig leaves, but it was not acceptable. God would later reveal that the only adequate covering for sin would involve the shedding of blood. And that brings us finally to the painful aftermath. Sin is accompanied by dis disastrous consequences. Whether or not we are willing to accept the blame for it, Adam blamed his part of the tragedy on Eve and God. The woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And Eve said the devil made her do it in much the same way we may try to blame our marital problems on someone else. If she would only stop nagging, I could. If he would only be more considerate, I could. But God held them both responsible, just as he holds each of us responsible for our part of the blame. And there is usually some blame on both sides. God wants us to face it squarely and not skirt around it. The consequences were almost more than Adam and Eve could bear. For Eve, the pain of childbirth would be recurring reminder of her sin. And in addition, she would experience this. And from time to time, uh, she would experience this uh, from time to time. Also, the piercing desire uh, and the affection of the assurance she would uh, need, uh, uh, the desire from her husband her need would be so great, her sinful husband would seldom be willing to meet it. And finally, the authority of Adam possessed over Eve from creation was strengthened by the word rule. And he shall rule over you. And in the hands of a sinful man, that rule would degenerate at times to harsh and heartless domination over her disregard for her feelings and disdain for her opinions and even no doubt chaffed grudgingly under the sting of her sin as Adam drifted farther from her paid less attention to her and became preoccupied with other things bitterness resent 
resentment and rebellion began to settle in her soul. For Adam cultivating the ground, ground became an endless, tedious chore. Anxiety over his ability to provide for his family added to his agitation and irritability and made him less sympathetic to his wife's needs. And as a result of this conflict, conflict entered their home. Sin always brings tension and strife and, and never was that more painful, obvious to Adam and Eve than when they stood beside the first grave in human history, their second son had lost his life in an ugly family squabble. The honeymoon like that was over. One of the saddest stories ever told. So, you know, sometimes the enemy wants to promise you one thing, and if you do this, I'll make you that, I'll give you this and that, but like they said, uh, you know, the story of Adam and Eve, it ended... Uh, uh, very uh, tragic. So that is the book of Adam and Eve. And uh, we pray that uh, you will uh, let God uh, into your heart and always uh, yield. And uh, so he could help us to overcome any consequences in our marital relationships and uh, that he would give you husbands um, and wives with a tender and unselfish love. And um, always consider, uh, you know, what Adam and Eve went through. And so we can encourage uh, each other to be helpful and to be uh, submissive one to the other. And uh, allow uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to become uh, everything uh, you need uh, in your relationship because that gives you assurance to forgive one another when uh, you're having those days and just place your trust in Jesus Christ because he was the perfect sacrifice and I will send you out with the song you are my